Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. I'm your host, Misty Little. This is episode 16 and summer garden journal number three. And it is hot. It's Texas, it's summer, and we're officially in those days where we don't get rain for long stretches. So the last rain we had was about a week ago, um, which was um, a nice steady hard rain for probably an hour, and then it tapered off to a nice gentle rain the rest of the day. There was no flooding. It was a great drink for everything. Um, but since then we haven't had anything and, um, be nice to have, have that kind of rain once a week, just to give the plants a break from this, uh, unrelenting heat. And I think I haven't checked the actual, uh, weather to see if we've hit hundred degrees, but my car says we do. So who knows? Um, but it's, it's quite, quite close. Heat indexes are for sure over a hundred. Um, it's definitely something you have to be aware of when you're out working, um, in the summer here, take a lot of breaks, drink a lot of water and do a lot of gardening in the early morning and evenings. (laughs) It's actually pretty interesting how cool it can be. And maybe that's just relative, maybe 85 and 90 is cool compared to 105. Um, but in the evenings I have, I have felt sometimes it's pretty pleasant outside if you can get past the mosquitoes. <laughs> um, and okay. Okay. First off, I want to thank my first iTunes reviewer, Casey2215. Thank you for the, uh, great review. Um, it seems pertained particularly to the book podcast that I did last week. And it seems actually based on, um, you know, my Google analytics that that was pretty popular. Um, so maybe I will review a couple more books later this summer with another mini episode. Um, I don't have, um, a ton of garden books that are like my diehard favorite. I've got a lot of reference, but, um, I definitely can pull a few more off to talk about. And I do plan on doing another more naturey kind of book. Um, that's not necessarily garden, strictly garden related, um, review later as well. And speaking of Google Analytics, I do want to mention, um, I was looking at my listenership and it seemed like there are obviously a lot of U.S. listeners, but a lot of U.K. listeners. And um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, So I was curious how you you guys found the podcast, uh, what draws you to the podcast. And um, maybe if you guys have a podcast, a gardening podcast in the U.K. y'all like, that you would like to share with me. Um, that'd be cool. Cause it'd be nice to branch out and listen to different people. Um, too. So I uh, can tweet, tweet at me at GPath podcast or, uh, email at the garden path podcast at gmail.com or leave a comment in, uh, on the website, the garden path podcast.com. And let's see, I'm going down a list of things that were on my mind before I get to talking about the garden. Um, my, oh, if you guys have watched Orange is the New Black on Netflix, um, that's one show that I do like to binge. And so I binged it for about over a week and, um, it took a while for me to pick up on this, but the garden that they are growing is way out of season. Um, mostly because I did not pick up on the the landscape shots for a while that the trees in the background is very much a fall, winter, maybe even early spring kind of 
time period where and they're, I guess, Pennsylvania, New York, and they're growing tomatoes. So definitely not the right time zone, um, time frame for vegetable growing like that. Um, it's one of those weird things in the movies you kind of pick up on that if you know what you're looking for, you're like, that doesn't make sense. And I know the, uh, the guys of the Root Simple blog and podcast have picked up on that on other movies before and just kind of gone, mm, those, that landscape there, that's not quite fitting for whatever movie. So, um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if anybody else noticed that as well. Um, let's see. Oh, the blackberries have kind of stopped producing. They're made their cycle and we've frozen. I froze most of them. Um, I ate quite a few straight, you know, big bowls with ice cream and, and just, eating a ton of, a ton of them, but, um, the last batch I saved and I decided to make blackberry jam and I had never made blackberry jam. Um, my husband, Chris has made Satsuma orange jam and, or actually it's marmalade and, um, fig jam before, but I had never dove into that. So one afternoon I, um, I have the recipe I found and I ended up making, I guess it was probably two pints and a half and two half pints. Um, and it turned out pretty good. I was very nervous at first as I'm stirring the sugar and the blackberries on the stove and thinking this is not thickening and, you know, I'm adding a little more sugar gel. Um, and even after I had like added more sugar gel, I'm like, this is still not thickening. I was like, well, Oh, well, it's going to be like a drizzle and we're just going to can what I, what I have here. And I kept a half pint and put it in the fridge. And then I actually had like another, like half a cup or a cup left that I couldn't put in a jar. So I just put it in a, um, a Tupperware and threw it in the fridge. And, um, the next morning I was like, well, I'll get my, I'll get this little cup or whatever and spoon some of it into my oatmeal and I opened it up and it had gelled and I hadn't, hadn't checked my jars on the counter that morning to see if they had gelled and they had. So I was very, very happy to see that that had happened. So yay for me. <laughs> that was a very exciting experiment. And of course now I'm like, that success has made me want to make more jams, but, um, I don't really have anything unless I get it at the farmer's market at the moment. Although I am contemplating making, um, some pepper jelly, um, because I have a ton of peppers that I don't really know what to do with. Um, I've got, uh, banana peppers, fish peppers, and then these like orange sickle peppers or something like that. They turn, they're green. You can pick them green, but they're supposed to turn orange when they're ripe. And, um, so I'm kind of thinking of making a jelly. And with that, because I think that would be good with, um, maybe goat cheese and crackers or even using it on, um, cornbread biscuits. Um, I don't know, just to do something different. I've pickled some of the peppers and I will likely probably chop some and freeze some as well. And two years ago I dried a bunch of peppers and gravy. I have that stuff still. And it is very hot. The peppers, I can't even remember which variety they were, but they were hot peppers. And, um, I remember them smelling really, really good as I was drying them. And, um, but then I like tried like a little bitty dibble on my finger and 
that was not a good idea. So, um, I don't need any more dried pepper. That is for sure. I guess I could dehydrate chunks and not blend it. I guess I should have said that I dehydrated it, but I blended it. So it was a powder. Um, but I could dehydrate chunks and then rehydrate them for later. I'm not sure. Um, so we only have three pepper plants and obviously that's too many because we don't use them. We don't really, I don't have tomatoes, so I can't make salsa. And you know, that's kind of big, the big thing with having peppers is, you know, you're making salsa, but I don't have tomatoes right now because my tomato harvest was pitiful or really non-existent. Um, and okay. So next I talk about some, what else is growing in the vegetable garden? This is all vegetable garden focused because I feel like that's all I'm focusing on right now, even though there is quite a lot of things going on in the flower garden and I'll touch on that, uh, in just a bit. So I planted out all the beans and some, um, some climbing peas as well. Um, these would be like Southern peas, not snap peas. Um, and realized one of the beans that we really liked was a bushing variety called Dragon Tongue. We didn't have any, and we have so many seeds, and I'm definitely finding out that we need to just sow everything that we have, because um, if we're planting something that we saved seeds from two, three years ago, the germination rate is really kind of getting low right now, so it's just might as well just sow it all and buy new, start with new seeds next year. Um, anyway, so I did order new dragon tongue seeds, um, from so true seed. They're out of North Carolina and I've ordered from them before, but as luck would have it, they sent me an email and I said, Hey, we've got some seeds that are half off. And so as soon as I found out that they had dragon tongue beans and they were one of the cheaper sources of dragon tongue beans that I found, um, and they had the half off sale. I was like, yeah, I'll go with them. And, um, I, I like I like supporting different kind of uh, seed uh, savers sometimes a seed uh, seed salesmen seed plants people um yeah I'm just rambling right there um, and also because um, I just also noticed that one of my hopefully soon to be on the podcast coming in the fall in um, internet friends Renee Garner she is designing some of their seed packets and she's been posting some pictures of what she's designing on Instagram and Twitter and I think her Facebook I not I don't do Facebook so but I did see that when I searched her for so true seed in her name and I did see that she posted it there um, so that's really cool and I'm excited for her for that. Um, anyway, so the dragon tongue beans, I did plant those. I got some basil and a couple of, uh, winter sowing things of cauliflower and I can't remember what else, but I did get some of that in. And then I just today got three cuttings of tree collards and they are a perennial vegetable that I think is kind of popular with the permaculture crowd. And, um, I, about two and a half years ago, I'd had a cutting or two and had it in a pot and they rooted and did well, but I kind of left it around and didn't get around to planting it somewhere I needed permanent and, um, they died. So, and then having the baby and now toddler, I just never got around to ordering more. And so I've been brainstorming, okay, all the things I need to plant and start and really just getting my vegetable garden going. And, um, so I found the tree collards at project tree collard 
And that's where I ended up ordering from. I actually ordered from their website. Um, I actually found them on Etsy first. And um, I was kind of like put off by shipping. So I was like, well, let's see who, who else and the price. And it was kind of weird. I found their site. Um, they have it on sale at Amazon, their site, and Etsy. And so I ended up ordering just straight from their website because on the website it had free shipping. Um so that worked for me. Um, and they look great cuttings. I put them in water for now. I'm going to put them in a pot in the next few days and um, root them that way. And then maybe in September, maybe they will be rooted and I will find a home for them in the vegetable garden. Um, as for what else in the vegetable garden, everything is doing really pretty good. The, I lost another artichoke. It rotted the squash and zucchini that had done so well and survived the floods decided to have squash vine borers come in. So those overnight pretty much, cause that's how that thing usually goes. Um, they all wilted and died and I pulled them and then I restarted some more seeds in their place and I've pretty much planted all the beds up now with different squashes. I've got kasha squash, seminal pumpkin, a couple different other pumpkins, um, moon and stars melon, bidwell cassava melon, uh, charante melon, and um, then I have some okra, and I've got beans, different beans going around the area. Um, I'm having to replant some of the beans because the deer are poking their little noses through the fence and napping the tops. So um, I don't know how well the beans are going to go on the side, but we're going to try that for now. And I can always try beans again here in another month and try planting them on some tomato cages or trellis or something inside the garden if, if the deer become too much of a nuisance, which is definitely possible. So... I guess that's kind of about it in the vegetable garden. I'm almost done finally weeding the paths and we're going to get some mulch to mulch the paths this week. Um, I'm going to try in a couple sections, sheet mulching, sheet mulching some sections that have more weed growth than others. Um, and I got, I mean, I've, I've heard of sheet mulching before, but it was kind of more in my mind from the episode with, uh, with Katie and I'll put her episode link in the show notes, but, um, she sheet mulches in Northern California. And I just started doing some reading about it. And I think it will be a good thing to try, um, at least for now and see how it works. And so we're going to kind of actually do a trial and see, uh, compare it regular mulch with no, with no cardboard, uh, down and then try it with a cardboard and see how that works in another area. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I'd love to smother out the Bermuda grass. I cannot stand that stuff. And uh, other than that, I've been just spending as much time in the vegetable, bar- vegetable garden as I can because I feel like that that's where, that's what the garden needs from me right now. Even though the flower garden is weedy as it can be, all the plants are so far are hanging in there. Um... And I have weeded some of those beds, some, but um, not not to the extent that they need to be done. So as soon as I kind of get the vegetable garden in a good place, I'll spend a week or two really tackling the flower garden. 
um, and checking it out. The good thing in right now in the flower garden are the Formosa lilies. They are starting to bloom. And, um, you know, I know like I should document better on, in, on paper, but I use my blog as my, as my documentation. And, um, it definitely has helped realizing as I go through and read old blogs and look at old photos on my Flickr and realize uh, the time frame and when, when things bloom. And so, um, it was definitely, you know, right about now the Formosa lilies always bloom and it's kind of neat to know what to expect from certain plants that, well, in a few weeks, this is going to happen. And, oh wait, hmm, that didn't happen this year. Why? Um, I really, I really appreciate even if it's a meager documentation that I have that, and I can always go back and, and relook at that next year and wonder, wonder what happened. And, um, so that's kind of, you know, the flower garden, it's a jungle right now. Um, I do want to touch on something that I did mention on my blog. Um, and I'll, I'll post that post in the show notes as well. Um, but our honeybees, um, we got the bees three years ago. Um, our honeybees mm, might not make it. Chris got in probably a week and a half ago, um, and found out the hive beetles had totally taken over. And, um, last year they had kind of started doing that pretty bad, but Chris had figured out an acceptable method of baiting the beetles that will, um, keep them in lower numbers and in the hive will stay as healthy as it can be. And, um, unfortunately been not as attentive beekeeping. We've had the really wet weather and, um, he got in too late basically. And so all the, all the comb had been taken over by the beetles. Um, there was no bee larva. It was all hive beetle larva. And so there were bees still hanging around. That's what didn't really set us off to knowing anything was wrong. Um, because there were still bees around you see them on the opening on the outside and hovering. But, um, he finally, Got in, he got in when he noticed that was so bad and took all the comb out and just got it on the ground and tried to, he opened the bottom, um, the bottom board just so get everything air out and get the beetles out. And he was hoping, you know, in the back of his head, those first few days, he's like, okay, well, if I clean it out, maybe the bees will come back. But, um, you know, life kind of got busy. We didn't get to take care of it as fast as we could. And, um, yeah, by the end of the week, I had kind of figured that the bees were gone because I could get close to the hive. It smelled, the flies were coming in. It was just, it was not a good scene. And, um, then one day we went out and it was at lunch and noticed there were bees all hovering, flying around the flower garden over by the, by the hive. And we're like, well, that's interesting. Cause <laughs> that was not happening a few days ago. And, um, Sure enough, Chris found out the bees were trying to come back and they had tried to start building comb underneath the top of the hive and not, not inside where they should be building on, on the combs, but, um, on the, yeah, on the combs. And so they were building the comb, uh, underneath, underneath the the hive. And so he, 
he was like, well, let's see if we can clean it up. And he kind of tried to grab the bees and kind of dump them into the hive themselves. Um, cause he, he also said they were pretty weak. Um, he ended up giving them some sugar water to kind of help them on their way and just kind of hope for the best after that. And we went away for the 4th of July weekend and came back and they were doing better, but they had returned to trying to build hive on the underneath the top of the, of the hive. So I'm not sure what we're going to do about that. If we're going to try to help them, um, or, or or what's going to happen there. I don't really want them building comb where they're, it's going to be inconvenient, um, for us and just a mess. So that's kind of a problem at the moment that we're facing. Um, you know, I'd like to try to, if, if this doesn't happen and we have to get a new package of bees, um, reevaluate keeping the hive in the garden. I mean, I know that's going to be a contentious topic to, to discuss, but, um, moving it somewhere else that way, a, it's maybe not as wet and B, um, so there's better access in the garden for us and we can keep the garden in better state because it gets kind of crazy over by the, by the, by the beehive. Um, especially in the summer cause we can't get over there. They're too active and unless you have your suit and who wants to wear your suit all the time out there to go weeding. So, um, we're just kind of in a touch and go state with that at the moment. And I guess I'm going to wrap up now. Um, my one thing to mention at the end of the podcast for today would be to go to the Margaret Roach podcast, a way to garden and listen to the latest episode with Hope Jaron. Now, Hope is a geobiologist, and she was first mentioned by Aaron uh, Gettler on um, the Becoming a Better Naturalist episode, and that's where I first heard of Hope, and I ended up reading her memoir that just came out, Lab Girl, back in April, and it is, it's my favorite book that I've read so far this year. And anyway, Hope is on Away to Garden this week, talking about her book, and I, I really loved loved the episode, and I think you guys would too. So hop over there and take a listen to that. And um, all right, now you guys have a great first of July. Um, don't don't get too hot. Don't dig too many weeds. Um, enjoy a little bit of the garden out there. And if you guys have anything you guys want to talk to me talk to me about, tweet me at the GPath Podcast or email. The Garden Path Podcast at gmail.com. And I will be back later in the month with another update. Bye.